Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that we can come and study the word together. We just ask for your Holy Spirit to please be with us once more. Lord, illumine our hearts and our minds. Help us to see the lesson that you have in store for us here. Guide us and lead us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, we are continuing our series on the parables of Jesus. And we've been studying about seven lessons already. This evening, we are looking at the parable of the fig tree. The parable of the fig tree. And, you know, before we study the parable itself, as always, there is a story that leads up to Jesus telling this parable in Luke chapter 13. There's a reason why Jesus dives into the parable of the fig tree. And it's important to understand this because there's a reason, there's a purpose as to why Jesus is telling us this. So let's go to our first Bible text here in Luke 13 verses 1 to 3. The Bible says this, There were present at that season some that told him of Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You see, friends, what was the situation that was taking place here? There were some Galileans that had gone through some sort of trial and persecution because of Pilate. He had killed them, it seems, and, and they were killed, they were, they were sacrificed. And so Jesus asks them, those that were present there at least, that were gathered around him, he asked them whether they thought that these Galileans were wicked people. Did this persecution come upon them? I mean, were they killed because they were more wicked or more sinful above anyone else that was living at that time in that present uh, situation? Obviously, the thinking that the people had at that time was that bad things happened to bad or, or wicked people, right? That the reason why they were killed was and, and, and killed by Pilate was, and others were kept safe was because they were sinners and the others, they were righteous or not as bad as these people. They were more, more wicked than anyone else. So Jesus answers by saying that if they didn't repent, they would also likewise receive the same fate. But Jesus is not done yet with this questioning that he, he puts forward to the people that are there. Now, verse 4 to 5. Or of those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So, Here's another situation. In Siloam, a tower fell on some men and 18 of them died. And so Jesus asks again, do you think that these people were sinners above everyone else and this is the reason why they died? Were they more wicked and that's why this unfortunate circumstance came upon them? And once again, Jesus answers that if you don't likewise repent, you will suffer the same punishment as them. You know, friends, do bad things happen to only bad people? And good things happen only 
to good people. You know, this must have been the thinking back then. And I believe that we have this similar sort of thinking today as well. If, if you get rich, it means that God must have blessed you. And if you fail your exam or you lose your job or you get deathly sick, then something bad must have happened to you, something wicked, something sinful, something you must have done behind closed doors that people did not know about, and uh, but yet God sees. And so that's why you're getting such a punishment from God. But Jesus says, no, that except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, friends, keep this in mind as we now go into the parable, because from here, Jesus now gives the parable of the fig tree. So let's keep reading here in Luke chapter 13, verse 6. He spake also this parable, a certain a certain man, not a rich man, had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. So a certain man, he, he comes to his vineyard and he has this fig tree that's planted there. And after it's grown up, he comes looking for fruit but he doesn't find any fruit. I mean, first, let's jump into interpreting it straight away here. What does this vineyard represent? What does this fig tree represent? Well, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 7. The Bible says, The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. So the vineyard here represents who? The house of Israel. The house of Israel. So that vineyard where the fig tree is planted. I know that, you know, in a vineyard you're expecting vines, right? You're expecting grapevines. But of course, here we see in the vineyard a fig tree. Nonetheless, the plant, it represents the house of Israel as well, right? The, the people, the Judah, his pleasant plants. But, you know, what does the tree represent? Let's also go to Psalms chapter 1 and verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so we, we can see here that this tree is not planted in a vineyard, but it's a tree nonetheless. And a tree here represents a good man, a blessed man. If you go back to Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1, it represents a righteous person. At least that's what we see in this text. So you see, God, He chose Israel. He blessed them. He gave them the land of Canaan, and they were blessed above all people on the earth. But this man, what did he come looking for in the parable? He came to the fig tree looking for fruit. I mean, from a distance, it looked like a good tree. It had grown up. The, the leaves must have all been out already. Otherwise, this man would not have expected any fruit. You know, it would be unreasonable for anyone to expect fruit on a little shoot or a little plant that has not even got any leaves yet. It's just growing up as a stalk so far, right? It would be unreasonable for anyone to expect some sort of fruit on such a young plant. So it must not have been that this man was being unreasonable, looking at a little plant, expecting fruit. No. From a distance, he must have seen the fig tree. He must have seen the leaves. And so he was expecting fruit. And so he comes searching for this fruit. 
This plant must have been a tree already. It must have been a few years old. It must have been a mature plant because it had all the signs of it. So the owner comes looking for fruit, but he doesn't find any. You know, friends, it's possible to look like a good Christian, but looks can be deceiving. And according to the words of Jesus, a true Christian must bear fruit. He came looking for fruit. And so friends, what does fruit represent in the Bible? Well, let's start with the most obvious text in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And further on, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And so friends, what do we see here? What is this fruit? It is the fruit of a righteous life. It is a fruit of good character, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, all of these good things. You see, friends, it's not enough to just look like a good Christian, like going to church once a week and every week and not missing. But friends, you must show through how you live your life that you are actually a good and righteous person. That, that my friends, is true righteousness. Patience, kindness, how you talk, how you respond, how you live your life, all these things, how we react when things don't go our way. But what else does fruit represent? Let's continue and look at another text here. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Friends, what else is fruit connected with? It's about our lips giving thanks to His name, to the glory of God. It's thankfulness and recognizing who gave us these good gifts, recognizing that it is God that blesses us. You see, friends, this is the reason why I want you to share your praises, share your blessings. You see, a, a, a Oh, look, I know that online some people don't like to share their praises and I understand that. I'm not calling you unrighteous because you're not um, sharing anything. But friends, a righteous person will always praise God. They'll always be aware of the good things that God has done for them. The fruits of a righteous person is found in praise praise and thanksgiving and not, not evil speaking and murmuring against God, it is quite the opposite, even when it seems like bad things are happening to us. That's why, friends, I always encourage you, look for five praises every day from the day before, of course. So, I mean, for me, I start my day in the morning and I always write five praises in the morning of what happened yesterday. And sometimes, yes, it's difficult. I, I, I got to think really hard, but you can be thankful even for the little things. This is found in a righteous life. And I'm not saying that I'm righteous. I still have a bad mouth to complain sometimes and, and say the wrong things. But you know, the lips of the righteous will be found in thanksgiving and praising God. What we say shows whether we are a true Christian or not. And you know what's interesting? In the book of James, it talks about the tongue 
a lot. Many of us were conflicted with our lips. Look at what James says about this in chapter 3 and verse 6 of the book of James. And the tongue is a wildfire, a world of iniquity. And so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Something so small, something that is so small on our body, yet it can cause such big damage. It sets on fire the whole world, even all of hell. And look what he continues to say in chapter 3, verse 7 to 12. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of men. Of God, pardon me. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not so to be. He says, this this is not what should happen. It's not normal. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. You know, James, he's, he's asking about nature. Does a water send forth fresh water, and then next day it sends forth salty water or bitter water? Can a fig tree grow grapes or olives or or likewise vice versa? No, this is not normal. You see, this is not normal, he's saying. And it's not normal for a tongue to bless and then the next minute or the next hour or the next day curse as well. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with this tree. It just has a form. And so, no, I'm not saying that you are righteous because you praise God, because at the very next minute, we can turn around and curse God as well. So this tree, remember, this parable of the fig tree, it has the form of a fig tree. But yet when the owner came looking for fruits, he didn't find any. The fruits were non-existent. It was a fake fig tree or a useless fig tree. But let's go to another text about fruit, shall we? John chapter 15, verses 8 to 10. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Friends, do you see this? What is the fruit of the true Christian here in the Gospel John? It is found in love. And and what is love connected to there? It's displayed in the keeping of the commandments of God. What am I trying to say? Keeping the commandments of God does not make you righteous. Righteousness, though, is found in, and revealed in action. Righteousness is not just something that abides in our heart and is shut up to ourselves and nobody knows whatsoever. No, righteousness is revealed in action, fruit that can be seen. The fruit is not, ma- is not what makes us what we are or who we are. It's just evidence that we are 
righteous. You can look in the mirror this evening, right, my friends, right now, reflect on your day or your week and see what has been the fruit of your life and you can know whether you are righteous or not. Every true Christian that is a follower of Christ will have fruits that bear fruit unto his glory, will have a character that will be evident that Jesus is with them and that they are righteous. But let's have one more text on fruit, shall we? Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. The Bible says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. What is the Bible trying to say here? Love does not look on the inward only. It looks on the outward and how we treat people and even sharing Jesus with others. When trees bear fruit, it is a benefit and a blessing to everyone around them. They can taste of the sweetness of that fruit and the goodness of that fruit. And so a righteous life, a person that is bearing fruit. They don't just live to themselves. People are not unaware of the blessings that they have, not just because they're rich or well-to-do or God has blessed them with so many blessings, but those blessings overflow to others as well. You see, God, He chose this vineyard, the Israelite nation, and He blessed them, but He came looking for fruit and they didn't have any. The Israelites, they were so blessed by God, but they didn't act like God was the one that blessed them. They acted like all the other heathen nations around them. And we are like that too sometimes, friends. We go to church, we take on the name of the Christian, and but during the week, we act nothing like what a Christian should. We forget that all of God's blessings that He's given to us, and we forget that He showered us with so much goodness, but instead we become selfish. We become hateful, we become angry, we become judgmental, we become all these bad things that God did not want us to be. So what happens when the owner of the vineyard, he comes to this tree looking for fruit, but he doesn't find any fruit on this tree? What happens next? Let's go back to the parable now. Luke chapter 13 and verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? So the owner, he's speaking to the dresser of the vineyard, the one that works there. And he tells him, look, there's no fruit on this tree. Let me just cut it down. Why cumbereth the ground? What does that mean? In the NIV, it says, why should it use up this soil? Why let it suck up the nutrients from the ground for nothing when other plants could, could suck up these nutrients and gain a greater blessing and possibly bear fruit, right? It's not producing any fruit after all. This is a useless tree. This is just taking up space. And so likewise, God was ready to just reject the Israelite nation. He was ready to move on. But look at what the, the, the dresser, the, the worker of the vineyard says back to the owner. Luke 13 verses 8 to 9. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it, and dung it, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So 
the dresser. He, he wants to dig around it. He wants to dung it. Maybe it was a problem of the ground, okay? Maybe the soil was not loose enough. It was hard. It was compacted. And so the, the tree could not stretch out its roots. And so that, that's why it didn't have enough nutrients to, to grow fruit on it. So maybe it was the ground. He, didn't, he needed to loosen it. Or maybe just, there just weren't enough nutrients in the soil, so he wanted to dung it. He wanted to fertilize it. He wanted to give more nutrients to enrich the soil so that the tree would have no excuse to bear no fruit. What does that represent in a sense? Even more blessings that God gave to the Israelite nation. Even more. He sends prophets. He sends the truth. He sends all these blessings. He feeds them with manna. That was even before, right? So long ago. But he poured out so much blessings, even to the extent that he sent, God sent Jesus Christ himself to be that great blessing. And he did so many miracles. He fed the 5,000. He gave it so much nutrients. He loosened the soil. He dunged it. He did all that he could. The dresser of the vineyard wanted to try to do something special with that ground before God would cut it down. And only that, only after that, if it didn't produce any fruit, then it would be cut. Friends, who is that dresser of the vineyard? That is obviously Jesus. He was the one that came to the fig tree and he, he tried his best to revive it. The Israelites were so blessed to have Jesus, the Son of God, focus his ministry on this nation. Jesus did his best to save Israel. The best of the best, the greatest gift that God could give was poured out in this one gift, Jesus Christ. And so God, he gave Jesus. And that's why God can expect the best from them as well. You see, in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 to 2, look at this. What happened? Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. This dresser, he did so much for the vine. All he wanted back was grapes, was fruit. All he wanted was something in return, not to the extent of what he gave. But you see, everything in the world gives except the human heart. We are abnormal. Friends, everything lives to give. The plants, the insects, the animals, they all play a part in what they do to keep the ecosystem alive and healthy. Giving fruit, my friends, is actually a normal behavior of a plant. And it should be the normal behavior of a true Christian to reflect the good character of Jesus, to treat people in a good way. That's normal, friends, but we don't do it. So God, He gives a chance to us. He sends Jesus to the world. He was the one that dug the ground and dung it and, and put fertilizer on it. But He obviously failed. The Jews ended up crucifying the Son of God. And not that Jesus was the problem, but it was the Israelite nation that didn't produce any fruit. Friends, how can we bear fruit? 
today? How can we make sure that, you know, we don't repeat the sins of the past of the Israelite nation? How can we make sure that we are a fruitful tree, that we are producing the fruit that Jesus is expecting, that that as a true Christian, we're following Christ, but it's not in vain? How can we make sure that we have that fruit? Well, it's easy, friends. John 15, 5 to 6. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Friends, how can we bear much fruit there? We have to abide in the branch that main branch, Jesus Christ. Jesus, He went mainly to the Israelites. It should have been the easiest for them to bear fruit, but they didn't. But because of what happened to the Israelites back then, we can be Christians today, God's chosen people. But God is still asking and expecting for the same thing, for fruit. His request has not changed. It's, It's just that the Israelites failed And so he's focused on someone else. And so friends, the question that we got to ask ourselves is, are we bearing fruit today? You know, God has given us so many blessings, but now it's our turn to bear fruit, to love your brothers and sisters, your friends, but also your enemies that don't treat you well or so good, to spread the gospel and tell people about Jesus, to share this blessing to others, to be God's chosen people today, We have to fulfill what the Israelites didn't. If not, we will suffer the same fate. Likewise, ye also, except you repent, you will suffer the same fate. But why don't we bear fruit? It's very simple. We are not attached to the vine. How can we make sure that we abide in the true vine today? Well, Christ continues in verse 7 of John 15. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Friends, to abide in Christ means to have His Word abiding in us. We must spend time in His Word and remember what God has said. A true Christian is not one that just goes to church only, but the one that has the Word abiding in them, having their foundation in God's Word. Without God's Word abiding in us, we cannot truly abide in Christ. You see, that is the root of the problem. It is our hearts because it is desperately wicked. And the only way for us to be true Christians, the only way for us to bear fruit is we must allow Christ to live in us and through us. That's why the Word, it it speaks about it in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, friends, what is the problem? It is the human heart. That really is the root of the problem today. 
the only thing that can deal with that is the Bible because it can discern the intents, our intentions and our desires. Even though we have this outward action that could possibly deceive people, the Bible is the one that is able to discern the intentions of your heart and is able to change it around to be righteous, to be better, to be more wholesome, to be more like Jesus. And how is the Bible able to do that, friends? Is because the sword of the Spirit is not only the Word of God, it is the Holy Spirit. Many of us, we are missing that important relationship with Jesus. Sure, we go to church. We participate in Pathfinders and, and we participate in the different evangelistic programs. We turn up, maybe we even get up and, and sing in front of church. You know, we, we get involved. It's not that we are keeping ourselves away but friends, it's not enough just to go to church. It's not enough just to get involved and sit there and, and do those different things. But friends, we must have that important devotional life with Jesus. That's the only thing that can change us. That's the only thing that can help us to bear fruit. Because without a heart that's changed, the fruit will never be present. It will always be absent. And it's not because there's any problem of the nutrients in the soil, but it's actually whether we are sucking it up, whether we are actually connected to the true vine. If we had to take the, the illustration of John 15, abide in me and I in you. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. You see, this tree, this fig tree is growing, but it's connected to the wrong source of nutrients. We are focused on the earth. We have our roots deeply dug down and anchored into the world. We are focused too much on the world that we don't take time to focus on Christ at all. You know, maybe some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I don't have a bad character. Thank God, you know, I'm, I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm generous. But friends, it, there will come a time where your bad character will ultimately be revealed. Just because you're a quiet person, you don't say much and you're just quiet and, and uh, you just move on, it doesn't mean that your character inside is not fuming and steaming away and angry and, and you know what I mean? Hatred in your heart. It's like killing your brother. Lusting in your heart after a woman. That is adultery. And just because, you know, it doesn't come out in your character, what, just because you watch pornography, you can still be patient out in public, Right? You see, many of us, we, we are self-deceived by these things because, oh, well, Ben said I can look at the mirror and see. But friends, look at the mirror of your heart and what you do in private. Because many of us, we have secret sins. Many of us, we are living double life. And it's not even against our brother or sister. Sometimes it's against our spouse, our girlfriend or boyfriend. We, we have double standards and, and you might appear as a nice person in church. You might be the most pleasant person in church. It's not just only about character then, isn't it? It's about what you do in private. Are you an actor in all of this? Are you a hypocrite? Friends, the heart is so desperately wicked. And we think maybe even sometimes that we are nice to our neighbor and we have a lot of friends and people love us we get caught up in that sort of self-security as well. But are you really, truly bearing fruit? It's not just about how many friends you have, but are you a blessing to those friends? Are they becoming closer to Jesus because of your presence?
or are they going further away? What are the sort of conversations that you have with your friends? Is it tending heavenward or is it all about the earth? Friends, this is a sort of fruit we must have a look at as well. We've got to dig a little deeper. It's not just about whether you're patient or kind. You know, I know for me, I struggle with patience. Some of you, you just look like you've been patient from birth and you're holy and, you know, my wife is like that. But we all have different sins to contend with and to some people, it's more obvious and to others, it's not as obvious. But friends, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Are you reflecting the fruit of a true Christian? Is what you do in private really reflective of what Christ would do? Or do angels turn their faces away from what you do in private because they're ashamed to look upon these things? And so friends, I ask you again, what is your fruit like? Because you know, some of us, we, 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 we go to church, but and some of these people, we, we, we leave church. Why? Because of some things that happened there. But you know, even with leaving church, it's not about what happens actually in that circumstance and how we react. You know, sometimes we go around telling people, oh, this person said this to me and that person said that to me. And we have different excuses as to, to what happened, but it's not so much what people do to you. Jesus was persecuted and yet he could still remain quiet. You know, people would do things intentionally to him to hurt him. And sometimes, you know, we can handle the, the person who does things unintentionally. The person who's waiting in line because this, this person is taking so long to pack the groceries and they're just a new person. I can handle that. They're not doing it intentionally. But how about people in church which come out and intentionally do something to you? How do you react? You know, sometimes we think that's their problem. They're bad. They're wicked. They are the ones that don't have good fruit. But you see, if we react negatively, guess what? We don't have good fruit as well. Well, 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 that person was a problem. He was not there. If he didn't say this or she didn't say that, you know. But friends, how we react also show. There are so many angles on which you can hold that mirror to look at yourself. Are we bearing fruit to the glory of God today? And really, the ultimate question is, are you walking with Jesus seven days a week? And if you have, and the Word of God is abiding in you, you will bear fruit because your heart is with Christ and Christ will live in and through you to will and to do of His good pleasure. Today, we focus so much on the outward, but if we are to abide with Christ, we'll never leave church. The Roman soldier that was nailing those nails through Jesus' hands, piercing it through and nailing Him to the cross, Jesus would still say, Father, forgive them. And if you deal with the heart, friends, everything else outwardly becomes easier. You wouldn't have to fight so hard to keep the Ten Commandments. If Jesus is with you, it becomes easy. If the problem is hatred or forgiveness, it becomes easy with Jesus because Jesus would forgive. He will give you the power and the strength to overcome that. We need the Word in us to show us how to change, but to strengthen us to do it as well. Focus on the Word of God, friends. Get it into your head somehow. Listen, to read, to watch it. Get the Bible into your heart and then pray earnestly for the Holy Spirit because being a Christian isn't about going to church, friends. It's about spending time with Jesus and His Word 
and allowing Him to abide in you. But friends, before we close, I want to come back to the situation that was happening. What Jesus was dealing with at the very beginning. Do you remember the story of what Jesus raised up? Some people were killed and others died because a towel fell on them, right? People thought that these people must have been wicked and sinners above all others. That's why these bad things happened, right? But Jesus said what? Except you repent, you will all likewise perish as well. How is that? Bad things happening to bad people. How is that related to the parable of the fig tree? You see, friends, it isn't so much about what happens to you on the outside, the circumstances of life. It's not about, you know, let me clarify this because we did talk about action, right? But I'm saying, you know, it's not about whether you lost your job or not. It's not whether if you died or came down with a fatal disease or you were imprisoned or in a car accident. Those sort of circumstances does not show whether you are righteous or whether you're wicked. That happens to everybody. The sun shines on the good and the bad. It rains on the good and the bad. So those sort of circumstances do not determine whether you're good or bad, whether you're wicked or you're righteous. Jesus is trying to show us that it's more important about the fruits of the Christian life, our character, how we react to those circumstances. For example, if you get in an accident and and you're badly burned and and you're disfigured or whatever, you get angry at God and you, you leave church because of Him. That's the character. That's the fruit. All of this shows whether we are righteous or not. And of course, this can only be possible if we are connected and abiding in the true vine. Let's stop judging by outward circumstances today, but rather focus on our own journey and our walk with Jesus. May God help each of us to be connected to Him every moment of every hour. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, help us to not not judge by outward appearances in regards to circumstances that come upon us, but help us to look to our character. Help us to see how we're reacting to these circumstances and help us to see whether we are truly abiding in the true vine or not. Lord, many of us, we we are one trial away from leaving church. I pray, Lord, that that would not be so, but that today we would spend our time abiding in your word, that we'd truly be connected to the true vine. Lord, please help us to that end. Help us that we would allow Jesus to live in and through us, today. Lord, please guide us and lead us to that end, that truly we might bear fruits to your glory this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org